This is the Lucy Beatrix Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. On Sunday night, I received a coin. That coin represented a milestone I passed earlier this month, which was 90 days of sobriety. Sobriety from what, you ask? Well, sobriety from a lot of things, which is what I want to talk about on today's episode. Since I started counting days, which is now 106 days since I began, I also started going to a support group and embarked on this crazy path towards fostering a spiritual identity. It's not just some streak or challenge. It's literally turning a new leaf and starting from scratch. I feel like I'm getting back to who I was before everything got so darn complicated with food and alcohol. And it's undeniable that I have learned and done more things in the past 106 days of recovery than I have in years. I know what you're wondering. What happened? And honestly, a whole lot. Years and years and years of piling coping mechanisms on top of each other, starting with not eating and then adding alcohol into the mix. My own path to abusing alcohol was just a trade-in for a lingering problem I had with food. And thankfully, I finally had the guts and courage to face this. But still, how bad could it have really been? Because on the outside, I presented like I was pretty much okay. Or at least, I've had a lot of people react to my posts lately about counting days in recovery like, Oh, you seemed fine to me. Or ask, did you really have a problem? Or even, you never struck me as an alcoholic. But what I've come to learn is just because you don't see someone at their worst, it doesn't mean there isn't something else going on. And only you can know if you have a problem. I knew it years before I addressed it, when I couldn't deny the negative consequences that were arising. Years ago, I remember when a picture of me was posted to Facebook and I was swamped with concerned messages from family and friends. Messages that said I looked way too thin and that I wasn't okay. They were right. I wasn't okay. And I hadn't been for a very long time. But it wasn't until the shockingly visible picture that people had voiced their concerns. And even though I ended up getting a little better... I was actually only just beginning to trade in my old habits for something even more destructive, or rather, fighting anorexia with alcoholism. People didn't see this transition in the moment. I mean, I didn't even see the transition. Because, again, I presented myself as going from extreme isolation to suddenly being social and out on the town with friends. It only looked like I was getting better, not worse. But I think that's why they call it functioning. No one saw me not eating and then only drinking all my calories. And when I look at the sequence of events that transpired in the last few years, I can see clearly how I went from functional to dysfunctional pretty quickly. The catalyst to all this, or me recognizing and admitting that I had a problem and needed to change, was losing my dad. My dad was my best friend, and he was always the one trying to help me when I struggled the most. I had gotten sick multiple times over the last decade, or rather when my weight plummeted to the lowest of lows, and I'd have to leave my life in New York City to go back to St. Louis to get a little bit better to then be able to return back to work. My dad would pace back and forth wondering what he could possibly do to get me the right kind of help. 
there was even a time he slept in the same room with me um, just to check and make sure I was still alive in the middle of the night. Since my body weight was so dangerously low, he thought I was going to like die in my sleep or something. And it's true. I was just a sack of bones and it scared the hell out of him. He had panic attacks and uh, he would just break down in front of me and say, please, Lucy, please, like, please eat. You're scaring me. And I watched him cry and I, I, I begged him to please not send me to some rehab or home. I said, please, dad, just send me back to New York. I want to go back and be around my friends, be at my home. I'll be good. I'll be good. I'll get my life together. So my dad put me first like he wanted me to be happy so he let me go back to the city and uh, I he got in touch with one of my best friends and asked her to check in on me frequently and make sure that I was okay. He also asked he had this rule he's like you have to call me every single day and send me pictures of what you're eating. So I did that and this was all about six or seven years ago when I went back to New York, still totally sick, but I was sending my dad food pics to comfort his worried head that I was doing okay. And I was starting to get a little bit better. Um, I was eating more things and just, I was tr- really focusing on finding a sense of community too. And suddenly those dinner for one pictures turned into pictures of me out with friends and um I happened to make friends with this band, this music band. Um, and we, it was this a crew of rowdy characters that I became very close with. And I started going to all their shows around the city. And I got so excited to show my dad that I was out and about getting better and that I wasn't going to die. And so anyway, so my life seemed to be kind of going in the right direction. And I'd call the morning after these really fun nights I'd call and check in with my dad and tell him all about the show and who I met and going to random diners afterwards and all the parties and stuff and my dad loved these stories since I was coming a long way from where I was when I was so isolated in my own struggles he was glad to see me looking happy and mentioned you know that as much as it looks like I'm having a lot of fun he also said, be careful. He said, he said, it's fine to have fun once in a while, but make sure you watch yourself with the drinking. And that was my first indication that my drinking was picking up. Because what had once been a once in a while thing or like a one-off thing soon became way more frequent. It wasn't just once a week. It was several nights a week. And then it was when there wasn't even a party alcohol was involved in my life every single day and I ended up moving into a loft uh, that housed several roommates on Bedford Avenue and we threw lots of like rowdy nights of merriment and just like friends coming and going and dinners and stuff and there was this whole world surrounding the music and the band And I consider it the best of times because those days were just illuminated by excitement and the unknown and chasing the night. And the conversations would just roll on and on and on. But there was almost always alcohol present. And I remember being um, on a train ride back to the city after being away for a weekend, realizing I hadn't had wine all day and that I was desperate to order some for the ride. 
I couldn't wait to just go to the store when I got home by my apartment. So I had to have it there on the train. And that's when I heard this little whisper inside of me say, really, you can't just wait? And I couldn't. Over time, the nights at the loft weren't as glittery and exciting uh, making music anymore. Sometimes it was getting into a screaming fight with a roommate or about something meaningless, or it was debating with a friend until I decided I didn't like them anymore and wanted them to not be in my life. (laughs) And just stupid stuff, frivolous nothing fights. And I began to notice that With alcohol, my mood could easily shift where one moment I was the life of the party, but then the next I was just plain nasty. And I started picking fights like that. That's when the days of living at the loft got dark and it seemed like an era had ended. And I I blamed a lot of bitter feelings on everyone except myself. It was a weird feeling when I noticed that the some of the members of the band or one of the members like they went and got married and had a kid and I was wondering why I was still drinking um, as much but just without the same thrills or excitement every weekend. So uh, my drinking had evolved and it was different. Um, I was hiding bottles and pouring wine into canteens and going as long as I possibly could without eating so that I could drink and feel it more. And it was just like a game of Russian roulette every time I drank. Sometimes my anger would manifest rather quickly, usually out of frustration of what was happening in my daily life. Because as I drank more, my work and my identity started to slip away. I had taken a break from my modeling career and perpetual injuries plagued my running. So I didn't have uh, anything to show for myself. I wasn't doing races and I wasn't booking jobs. So what was I doing? I was drinking. And suddenly I was drinking all by myself. And even worse uh, was in the middle of all of that. uh, That's when I lost my dad. So... That's when the act of drinking started to really manifest itself into some serious red flags. I had every excuse from grieving my dad's death to working in a bar to even convincing myself that I was saving money to drink instead of eating when in fact it was really costing me jobs and sabotaging relationships And that perpetual cycle of being undernourished and severely dehydrated started to really mess with my brain. I was miserable and depressed all the time, and I only wanted to be around people who drank as much as me to normalize it. They say that until you hit your rock bottom, you don't really get your wake-up call. But to make a long story short, or try to make a long story shorter, I had reached my limit and was wondering who I had become. It was a raining morning that I messaged my best friend, Sam, and asked her what I could possibly do to get myself out of this hole. In that moment, I was guilty and ashamed and terrified of who I had been. And she said, what she said really stuck with me. She said, I never have to feel like that again. And I didn't really believe her in the moment, but the next day she invited me to a women's meeting and I sat next to her and listened to other people tell their stories. And at first I thought, everyone's going to think I don't belong here, but nobody said that. And I felt welcomed. I felt like it was a lot better to be sitting there 
in a church basement than to remain in the cycle I was in that was getting me nowhere. And there were actually so many people that I could relate to. Sam saved me, or at least she showed me that it's okay to be vulnerable and that I'm not alone. I'm so lucky I had her to turn to when I had nowhere else to go. So I started my day count and connected with more and more people heading in the same direction of self-improvement. All I had to do was show up and not drink. And for the first few days as the dust began to settle, I was really scared. It was hard to picture not having alcohol since the person I had been before I started drinking was the person who didn't eat. So who was I underneath all that? I didn't know if I was ready to meet them. But then a lot of stuff began to change. The same week I stopped drinking, I did something even crazier. (laughs) I entered my first race in a really long time. And believe it or not, I won the darn thing. I remembered thinking, if this isn't some kind of a sign to keep doing the right thing, I don't know what is. It felt like maybe I was starting to find my feet beneath me towards finding out who I really am, but I also knew I would have a really long way to go because I hadn't even begun to grieve my dad's death sober or face how much pain I put him through with my own issues while he was alive. But as painful as all that stuff was or is, I know I have people who are in similar situations on this path to recovery. So I really commit to it. Slowly but surely, I started to tally up the days of sobriety. 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. But what does sobriety mean to me? It means being honest with myself and checking in every day. It means abstaining from negative thinking just as much as abstaining from alcohol or anorexic behavior, even harmful relationships. It means pausing before acting and being mindful And it also means giving myself reasons to feel confident, like running races and working towards my goals as a writer. A few weeks into my sobriety, I started to consider opportunities more, like applying to be part of the running program I'm in now called Project Moonshot with Nike. I don't think I would have had the guts to even apply when I was still drinking because I was so distracted by negativity. But to think, I got accepted to that program and things have been a complete 180 in my life. In the past 106 days, I've been running like never before, chasing my wildest dreams and feel like I have the strongest sense of community that I've ever had living here in New York City. But I've also had the down days and it's really hard and scary facing the skeletons in the closet. But on those days and in those moments, I have somewhere to go and I have people to call to get me to the next right action. And I'm constantly being presented with the support and tools to deal with these things effectively. And I've been noticing that not drinking has been putting me in the right place at the right time a lot. It's made me perceptive and excited about life like never before. And my interactions with others have felt even more real and more genuine. Just the other weekend, I was away at camp with Nike training and I was eating breakfast when someone decided to start talking to me. Somehow, the conversation led to how we both don't drink. And I thought, oh my God, I'm one of those people now. I'm one of those people who doesn't drink. But instead of feeling like I'm missing out, I feel like I'm tapping into this whole new me that I really like and I want to be around.
Okay, that was my show for the week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, feel free to reach out on Instagram. I'm at Lucy, L-U-C-I-E, The Viking. Uh, let me know about your own stories that have to deal with sobriety, if you have them or if you're sober curious, anything. I love the feedback. And remember, just be fast, just win. <laughs> <laughs>